Welcome back to Beat Seeker. I'm your host, Matt McButter. In each episode, we explore the shifting world of music with world-renowned experts and artists to take you deep, deep inside the fascinating and changing world of music technology and music discovery. And I'm your host, Mike Weider, reminding you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating if you like the episode. You can visit our website at beatseeker.fm where you'll find plenty of rabbit holes with extra content to dive into, guest backgrounds, and even a playlist with music recommendations from each of our guest episodes. Also, Beatseeker swag. You can stay current and talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BeatseekerPod. One theory explaining the recent comeback in record collecting is that it's a backlash against the digitization of music. Well, there's a new company that's challenging this theory by integrating old school vinyl collections with a hot new digital collectible, NFTs. Final Key believes that by merging record collecting with NFTs, they can unlock new opportunities for artists and engage and delight their fans. Taking us on a tour of Vinyl Key are Gar Ragland and Sean Moore. Gar is a producer, musician, and entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of Citizen Vinyl, a vinyl pressing plant, bar cafe, recording studio, and store all on the same site. Sean is an entrepreneur and software engineer with over 30 years experience who fell into the crypto rabbit hole in 2013 and pulled himself out long enough to rediscover vinyl. We reached them at Citizen Vinyl in Asheville, North Carolina. Gar and Sean, thanks for joining us on BeatSeeker. Thank you for having us. It's good to be here. So as many people know, especially listeners to this podcast, vinyl's been making a huge comeback for the last 10 years. And also in the news a lot these days, particularly in the collectible space, is is this technology NFTs. And, you know, I'd argue it's pretty poorly understood what NFTs are by most people that I encounter, even techies don't really get what these NFTs are. And your company seems to be at the intersection of both of these trends, NFTs and and the vinyl comeback. So could you walk us through how this project came together and how Vinyl Key works? Sure, sure. I can start with a little backstory on how the project came together. Um, so I am the founder and CEO of Citizen Vinyl, which is a record pressing plant located here in downtown Asheville, North Carolina. I come to the project as a music producer. Uh, I've been working in music as a musician and producer for over 30 years now and um, started working on Citizen Vinyl about five years ago. And um, we are, in addition to being a record pressing facility, we also um, had the opportunity in being located in this beautiful historic old newspaper building in downtown Asheville, we had the opportunity to be a little bit more creative in our business model. So in addition to pressing, we also have a farm to table uh, cafe and a vinyl themed craft cocktail bar. And we have an on-site record and art store um, all located in one uh, area uh, that's really intended to create this kind of craft creative experience. And then as luck would have it on the third floor, um, we have taken over this historic radio station studio where we have a really high-end analog recording studio all under one roof called Citizen Vinyl. So Sean and I connected. Uh, Sean, my partner here in Vinyl Key, um, Sean is one of our earlier investors and is 
a, uh, a native of the area and a successful software engineer. And uh, Sean really brings to the Citizen Vinyl team the expertise and the deep background in cryptocurrency and software uh, development and the whole NFT landscape. So Sean gets full credit for connecting the dots and seeing the opportunity that we had with our vinyl pressing services here at Citizen Vinyl, the opportunity to create a next level collectible record that incorporates all of the benefits that the NFT environment can provide. So we have developed a patent pending process, which makes the bridge between the physical and the digital. And uh, this is where Sean's sort of expertise and, and uh, comes into play here. He spearheaded the whole process. Cool. Well, I, I'd, I'd yeah. like to, uh, I'd like you guys to open up a citizen vinyl in Toronto. Cause it sounds awesome. So could you walk us through, uh, you know, maybe Sean, like an, an example, like what, what do I get with a purchase? What does vinyl key add when I, you know, buy an album and I get the NFT, how walk me through an example of how, exactly how that works. So yeah, we have uh, here downstairs. Downstairs, we also have a a record store, and you know, half of the uh, stuff down there is used records. So there's already this huge uh, community of people that collect vinyl. So we're we're appealing to those people, and uh, con- connecting it with the NFT gives them extra advantages of proof of authenticity that that album really is a a unique album and it's really number five of 500. And it also gives them proof of ownership. So uh, it's registered on the blockchain who is the actual owner of that album. And on the blockchain, you can also see the, the provenance of that album, who had it before. And so when you're going to buy an album, that's, that's two, that is a collectible album. That's two of the biggest things you care about is, you know, is this the authentic deal? Is this the real album? And uh, am I buying it from the, the legit owner? That's cool. So we're just taking, taking a collectible vinyl and, and just taking it to the next level. Cool. Cool. I, I get that. So the certificate of authenticity is a, is a big part of it. And are, I mean, is, are there anything, is there anything else that come can come or that comes with that NFT as well? Any other rights, you know, like access to a discord server of the artist or any other kind of exclusive benefits that you can attach to that NFT? Yeah. So it, it's really up to the creativity of the artist um, on how much they want to put on there um, because you do own that album and you can prove it on the blockchain, that artist could decide, you know, hey, next album, I'm gonna give everybody a free, my next free album is free to all my current holders or uh, front row seats to the next concert in their town. So it's up to each artist on on how uh, into this they really wanna be. I see. So can you give us, uh, you know, an example project or artist that you've uh, launched with and what kind of is the reaction or traction from, you know, from, from on both the artist and the buyer side? Well, one of the first projects that we worked on was with, we partnered with the artist Moses Sumney and um, we were lucky to premiere vinyl key um, at Art Basel uh, back in early December 
uh, when when Moses had a performance at the Perez Art Museum during the festival and also had a companion exhibit uh, in the museum featuring uh, some of his photographs and including also the first ever vinyl key project that was made. Um, it was pretty exciting. Moses, in addition to being a very accomplished musician, um, is also a, a performance artist and he's a, a, a fashionista, if you will. And uh, circling back to what you can incorporate as part of the NFT, um, he really wanted to get creative and actually he asked us if he could actually press these limited edition vinyl key versions of an album that we were already pressing here at Citizen Vinyl, the regular run of albums. And we trained Moses. He brought in a film crew uh, to our manufacturing facility and fog machines and uh, and lights and made a very theatrical performance out of the pressing of each of these unique vinyl key albums. And then the, uh, each one of the records the video clip was edited and it, each video closes with a close up view of the unique album that he pressed. And then he puts up the, uh, the, the number of fingers signifying which version of this record it was. So included in the sale of these vinyl key albums were these video clips that were exclusive to the owner of the vinyl key album. They, they were, they lived on the NFT. Another thing that we do that's interesting to note is that the way that we press these records is in a unique splatter pattern where we use a base color combined with a splatter color. And we can't produce any two of the same looking records even if we try. There is a unique visual signature associated with each physical album. And as a baseline, what exists on the NFT portion of a vinyl key album is a photograph of that particular record that visually um, supports the proof of uh, authenticity there. So the first thing that you will see if you visit the NFT of a vinyl key album is that photograph of that unique visual pattern that the owner or the potential buyer, if it's going to be resold, can literally look at the physical version, see the pattern, the splatter pattern, and then verify that with the NFT image that exists hmm. on the blockchain. Very cool. And what was, so what was the run size then for, you know, for this particular album? Are we talking like a very limited run? Is it like, you know, a hundred or a, a, like a, a, a small number for these? Cause they're kind of like prints, right? Like unique prints. Yes, they are. So, and they're limited edition and they're numbered. So Moses wanted to do, interestingly, 11, not 10, you know, not 100, but wanted to do a, a 11. And um, uh, that's how many he wanted to press. But we have currently, we have some clients that are, um, we're doing larger runs. What we think really works well in terms of the percentage of the super collectible versions of a regular album release is to try to hit 10% of a run to be vinyl key is a great way to still have it a collectible and, and, and the sort of scarcity that, you know, collectors kind of like, but uh, in a significant enough quantity that, that they can be accessible to enough people that want them. So 
Um, Moses's regular run on that particular order, I think we pressed three or four thousand. So the ratio of vinyl key to the regular run was was you know fairly um, you know, low in comparison to the overall volume. But um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's super cool. So maybe we could talk a little bit about the economics. So uh, in your case, you 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 pressed eleven of these super collectible NFT versions, and then um, you know a lot more of the regular ones. What would be you know the retail price of the regular one versus the NFT one? Tell us a little bit about I guess how how this benefited Moses economically. Well, what's interesting about this is that the standard retail, it, it's a it's a double album and, and Moses had really it, the packaging for this particular record. It's called Live from Black Alacha, which uh, he released in early December of last year. Beautiful packaging. It's probably one of the most impressive records that we've uh, assembled and packaged here at Citizen Vinyl. Um, he has decided only to sell and release just the one of those 11 he's holding on to the remaining but he did sell at auction that first one and by comparison i think the retail price of the regular record is 30 or 35 dollars it sold at auction for about five thousand dollars us in in under 24 hours too on um he wanted to auction it off on the foundation marketplace the nft marketplace so that's, I think, a great example of how well-received the collector market is participating in, in not only in vinyl. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. But, but for NFTs in general, I mean, we've all heard about the, right. the board apes and all these, you know, these pixelated, you know, images that are selling for six figures and, and more. You guys probably heard about the story uh, that was in the papers, you know, six months ago about the Wu-Tang album being resold. I think it's called Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. And I guess it was a single copy of an album that they had created. In their case, there's only one, I guess, record that was ever produced for this particular album. And it sold for $4 million. <laughs> you know, when I think about what you're doing, it, it's obviously a little different, but you could see how there's some similarities there. Could you see a parallel there where some albums could start to be worth six figures or potentially seven figures? Yeah, that, that is definitely possible depending on the band and the scarcity. But I think it's also interesting to, like Gar was saying, to do 10%. So if they do a run of 2000 and they do 200, then there's 200 out there that are uh, available to transact. And we haven't touched on why that's important yet. But because these transactions happen on the blockchain, the uh, artists can continue to get royalties on the resale of these on the secondary market every time they sell. Right gotcha. Now. So if someone, if someone buys it and then sells it to, if I, if I buy it and then sell it to Matt, then Moses would get, some percentage of that transaction too. Yeah, correct. And is that the case? Gotcha. Is that the case okay. with the one with the one F NFT that that Moses sold for? You know, the NFT version for five thousand. Yeah. He retains some residual rights there for every future sale. Yes, but how often is that okay. one going to uh, change hands? Probably not that often. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You know, right. That's right, right, where right. you know if you are 
thinking that you're going to be putting out a lot of albums. And, and some artists are also concerned about making it accessible to all their fans so that they don't want to have uh, super high prices. So, but having enough out there that are transacting it, it and uh, changing hands to get some of that secondary income is, uh, is awesome. Yeah. And, and how much does it add to the production cost? Cause as you say, like records are seemingly costing more and more these days. Um, how much does it add to the cost to, to make it? Is it significant? Or I guess in, in the larger scheme of things, if you could sell for 5k, then whatever, if it doubles the price, it's not a big deal. Right. Yeah, it, it's significant because it adds um, the cost of uh, labor. We, we take a picture of each album now uh, after after it's pressed. And we haven't touched on this yet. We also put into the middle underneath the center label, actually into the final, what's called a, uh, a near field communications, which tag, uh, which the abbreviation is NFC. Sounds very close to NFT, but has nothing to do with NFTs. But uh, NFC tags are what's in your credit card that we're using for right. tap to pay. And so we put one of those tags into the vinyl. And all of our phones can also read these tags. So when you tap the album with uh, your phone, it takes you straight to a web page that shows you that picture of that album. So that's a, another way that we do the proof of authenticity. Oh, that's cool. cool. So, in, sorry, a long story there to tell you about that. We put an in, NFC tag in it, so that adds to the cost. And then uh, in addition to that is just creating the smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain and minting each one of these NFTs also adds to the cost. So Cool, cool, cool. And so, you know, NFTs have have been huge, obviously, in the last couple of years in general. You know, there's been almost a, a gold rush generating billions in sales from, you know, up from, you know, literally zero a few years ago. But music is a little bit late to this, right? I mean, you just don't, it, it seems like a drop in the bucket compared to some of these other kind of digital digital art pieces like the Beeple piece we were speaking about and, 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 and others, um, you know, it's music seems to be a pretty small percentage of the total. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think it hasn't quite caught fire the same way that maybe visual art has? And what's your prediction for, for the future? Yeah. Well, uh, music is more complicated than, uh, some visual art because of the, all the royalties and, like their typical song will have 14 songwriters now these days. And so there's just a lot more complication in there and they're working through that. Um, but another thing is that it's easy to just go through and look at a, a thousand board apes and see which one you like the best, as opposed to listening to a thousand different songs and seeing which song you like. So I think music will be very big. We just got to, uh, work through the user experience some more on that. And there's uh, curia curation is going to be an important part to that also. Hmm. Okay. And just to add to, to add to that also, I think that there, you know, the music industry has a long history of, of being slow to embrace change and innovation. You know, look at streaming technology early on and how instead of embracing it, 
and owning it, they fought it tooth and nail until they lost the battle after spending however many hundreds of millions of dollars trying to prevent the technology from advancing. And I, I think that in some ways the industry is just old fashioned in that way and, and not really doesn't have a very impressive track record of embracing new technology very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. I think you're right there. And, you know, maybe part of it too, is that there's a lot of hands in the pot, right? Like you got these labels, as you say, you got the 14 band members and then all sorts of different rights and legalities and so forth. Do you think, you know, how, how does the money work with, with uh, your project, is, does anything change in that or they can use the existing structures that they would have in relationships um, to flow funds from these NFT sales? Or does that just go to the artist separately? Yeah, that's one thing that's uh, you know kind of cool about our project is that what the NFT just gives you what the normal record you bought already get the rights it already gives you. So there's nothing new here as far as uh, the splits that the labels and the bands share and all that. So um, we're not breaking new ground there on that. So we, we hope that'll help us get off the ground faster than some of these other uh, music NFT projects that are selling uh, WAV files or MP3s as as NFTs themselves. Mm -hmm. And and we can we can write these smart contracts each contract is unique to each particular project. So when it comes to royalty splits on the secondary market, we can just follow whatever the instructions, if it is an independently, you know, if the artist owns all the rights to the record, then that's easy. It's just, we, we just incorporate the artist into the, into the smart contract. But if there are other rights holders whether it's the record label or the publishers, then we can just follow suit and draft that smart contract according, accordingly. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. I like, I like that. And you know, on the, you know, there's been a bit of detraction from the NFT side lately anyway, you know, but I think there's, there's buzz that uh, maybe uh, from some of the detractors that NFTs are a bit of a bubble that's either close to bursting or, or might burst one day. So what's your response to those detractors who, who think that that is the case? Right. Well, we're still very early days and uh, a lot of the detractors say there's scams and all that. And there are those scams out there. It is the wild, wild west, but uh, Coinbase is the major uh, market or major uh, place that people sign up to get their cryptocurrency. They're coming out with the NFT marketplace real soon. Hmm. So it's, it's going to become more and more legitimate and only, uh, you know, like 10% of the U S has any cryptocurrency right now. So as more and more people come on, this market is just going to continue to grow. I think one of the unique aspects of what you're doing as well is that you're getting a physical good with this, which is somewhat unique, whereas typically, you know, all the existing NFTs are digital only. So um, in some in some way, maybe the the combination of a tangible physical item coupled with an NFT um, provides maybe an additional level of legitimacy and comfort there. We, we like to think of ourselves as the gateway drug to the NFT landscape. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Have you guys thought about, um, you know, as a lot of these NFT projects have community aspects to them, um, where people are, you know, talking about it online in some chat group or discord or, or, um, you know, using it as their profile picture. So there's kind of a social element to it. And um, when I think about record collecting and where I would go online for that, I might think Discogs, something like that. Um, have you thought at all about the aspect of community and whether some sort of linkage with Discogs or a, uh, another mar market and community like that would make some sense? Yeah, we, we definitely want to uh, be involved in communities as much as possible and, and Discogs would be great. They'd probably like to have, us have a few more albums out there um, before they go change in their website. Yeah, so the community, you know, Avenge Sevenfold is has their uh, community of of owners, and they're giving away concert tickets to people that uh, own their Death Bat Club NFT. So they're they're doing some really cool things, but you know, we we could just be a part of what mm -hmm. of their offering of their community. So we're not looking to you know build a community around one particular album or anything, but, you know, the artist larger picture of, of sure. their whole yeah. community, their discord. And mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this, uh, where this technology goes. It's really cool stuff. So now's that time in the podcast when uh, we like to ask our guests if they have a music recommendation. So um, Gar, how about we start with you? Yeah, so um, I, I've been was recently introduced to Lyra Lynn, the singer songwriter, um, and really beautiful voice, um, great writer, based in in Nashville. And um, I, you know, I discover a lot of the new music that that I listen to through the community here at Citizen Vinyl. As you can imagine, we have um, a, a staff of big time music lovers here. And we're always talking about, um, you know, music that we're into and who we're listening to. And we also have downstairs in our bar, we have, uh, we only play vinyl records downstairs and we have curated playlists every day. We map out the, the sides of the records that we're going to play. And, um, I, I've been turned on to a lot of new music that have been that has been curated by some of my co-workers here. So, yeah, Lyra Lynn's a, a, a new favorite of mine, just a really gorgeous voice and a great songwriter. Cool. And, and you said based in Asheville, correct? Nashville. Oh, based Nashville, in Nashville. Tennessee. OK, yeah, yeah. That's always that's confusing there when we're talking to you in Asheville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, based in Nashville, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. Got to add the state in there. And uh, Sean, how about you? Yeah, so my music taste is all over the place, but I'm usually, you know, listening to uh, who I went to see live recently. I'm so happy to be able to go to live shows again. And a couple of days, two days ago, I saw uh, Samantha Fish at a local venue here. She's a blues guitarist. It was a great show. Excellent. All right. Well, those are a couple of great picks. We'll add those to our our, uh, our guest picks playlist. And uh, finally, Sweet. we'll we'll put a link to uh, to Vinyl Key in the show notes, of course. But if our listeners want to follow, um, you know, you guys or uh, or your work, where would you like them to go? Also include Citizen Vinyl. Yeah, CitizenVinyl.com, which is, uh, you know, our, our website. Yeah, I, I think that's 
that's a great place to point people to. I my uh, Instagram ha handle is gar.ragland. Pretty straightforward. Nothing super creative there, but uh, yeah, we would love people to come visit us at Citizen Vinyl. We offer factory tours and and we welcome all music fellow music nerds out there to come and and indulge in what we get to do here on a daily basis. Sweet. Well, Mike and I certainly hope to uh, make the trip down and uh, check out Citizen Vinyl and, uh, and meet you guys in person one day. That would be really cool. We'd love that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, gents. That was a really fascinating conversation. Great to hear about your tech. Very cool. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Beat Seeker with your hosts, Matt McButter and Mike Wider. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, leave us a rating and a comment and share it with your friends and colleagues. If you want to dig deeper into this content, visit BeatSeeker.fm. That's B-E-A-T Seeker.fm. And if you want to be part of the show, check out our Patreon link. Interact with us on social media at BeatSeekerPod. BeatSeeker is recorded in the Devil Lake Studios and the Tunnel Under Arundel. The show is produced by Matt McButter, Mike Wider, and Kate McCartney. Tim Ratledge is our editor. Thanks for tuning in and keep seeking. <laughs>